0: Coming up on this episode of East Screen West Screen, Kevin gets Shanghai, David Lamb stops by to talk the Grandmaster DVD, and we look at the film's Switch and After Earth. East Green, West Green. Green. West Green. This is East Screen West Screen with Paul and Kevin. Where if films were food, they'd be full of it. To another episode of East Screen West Screen. This is the show where we talk about film from Hong Kong to Hollywood and lots of stuff in between. It is Saturday, June 22nd in the morning, uh, 2013. As usual, I'm your host, uh, Paul Fox, and uh, joining me as always, this time not from his super secret location right here in the Fragrant Harbor, but hiding out somewhere in Shanghai is Mr. Kevin Ma.
1: Where Snowden is not here either.
0: <laughs> okay. Thankfully. But yes. the NSA is still coming after you, sir.
1: <laughs> now, now I've got the Chinese uh, cyber police coming after me, and, and American cyber police. Uh, anyway, good morning. Good, good morning,
0: morning. good morning. So this morning. is a bit of an odd time for us, so uh, we're probably prone to make a lot of mistakes today, because uh, it's very early in the morning, and we're not used to usually recording this early in the morning. Uh, I, I'm not much of a morning person. I don't know about you, Kevin, but... Uh, Usually my voice is a, is a bit gravelly and my brain is not fully clear when I'm getting up. I'm sort of in auto mode, just, you know, sort of getting dressed and getting out to the bus and, and heading off to Hong Kong Island to work. So when I do something a little bit different, it sort of throws a, throws a wrench in my system, as it were. So I do apologize if we seem a little bit off, uh, but just bear with us and we will make it through uh, this podcast. So how is uh, Shanghai?
1: Oh, I just want to say my voice is sexier in the morning.
0: Oh, is it? Yeah. You've got you've got those nice uh dulcet tones.
1: Hey, baby. <laughs> uh no, I mean <laughs> I was going to say it's yeah, 7:45 it's here in Shanghai, but it makes absolutely no difference because there's no time difference between Hong Kong and Shanghai. Yeah. So even, yes. even though
0: there is quite a quite a distance, it's kind of like um I don't know what what would be an equivalent like say uh Tampa like or Tallahassee Seattle. and New York or something. I was going to say
1: like Seattle and and, and LA maybe because actually it's not that that far away. It's a two-hour flight. Yeah. Um. So maybe like Oregon and 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 Southern California. But yeah. Um,
0: but what are you doing there? Tell r- remind our audience again why are you um over there in Shanghai?
1: Ah yes. Uh, it was kind of a secret thing, but now it, the well the cat is kind of out of the hat. If you look at film business Asia. Uh, For the last week, um, I've been writing as staff reporter. So I've been uh, covering uh, the the Shanghai International Film Festival for both um, Film Business Asia and um, Yes Asia, Um, mainly Film Business Asia. I cover the forums. I do some reports. I've done uh, some box office reports, some release date reports. Um, Essentially, this week is like my trial week over there with the Film Biz guys. Um, And yeah, uh, if you look at um, Film Business Asia, uh, anything that's from Shanghai in the past week, uh, written by staff reporter, that would be me.
0: Oh, awesome! So, you're that guy, you're and the, Mr.
1: Staff, you, reporter. You, yeah, you are the, the, the
0: Mr. Staff or yes, Mr. That's, reporter.
1: That's Mr. Reporter to yeah. you,
0: <laughs> Mr. Reporter. If you're nasty, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my, my friends call me Staff,
0: um, yeah. Middle name infection, no, I'm just kidding <laughs> um so so what's been going on there i mean uh, what kind of things have you been engaged in and and uh what what have you seen what's been good um, you know uh, uh have you have you rubbed shoulders with anybody you know uh, have, you, have you sat next to Andy Lau or anything?
1: Oh, oh, I should tell you about this. Um, no, I, 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 have gone to um, the forums um, because actually, because of the film market um, and covering on the forums, I haven't had much time to watch films. So I've only seen the uh, see, I saw the opening film, that's Monsters University, the, the Pixar film. I've seen Dante Lam's new new film, uh, Unbeatable, the Nick Chen and uh, Eddie Pang film. Um, I saw a Korean film yesterday called uh, How to Use Guys with Secret Tips. Um, and then I saw, oh, Joss Whedon, um, Joss Whedon's, uh, modern version of A Much Ado About Nothing. Actually, that's all the movies I've seen
0: Mm.
1: at the festival. Because, um, the system is that, um, each batch holder, they're allowed to get 10 free tickets, I think, from the festival. Um, and you have to go up, and they also all subject to availability. As in each, each it only has a certain amount of tickets that's given away for the, the batch holders. So actually, it's really it's a lot of tickets are have been sold already, sold out. And um, if you really want to get a free ticket, you have to line up at like eight thirty before the the, the counter opens. And I never wake up that early. And I'm actually quite, I'm always a little farther away from the from the desk. Um, So it's been like I just walk up to the to the counter and buy tickets. Um, So yeah, so I mean the festival was a mess. Let's face it. Festival was a mess. Um, screenings are often uh, uh, canceled or replaced at the last minute. Um, there are tons of uh, problems with the DCP, the the projection. Um, but um, yeah, so so I've actually been doing a lot of work. I've uh, been hanging out with people. In um, part, you're asking about celebrities. At the opening ceremony, um, I sat right behind Bye Bye Her and Joseph Chang and Barbara Wong.
0: Mm.
1: Because the cast of the, the cast, I guess they have a filming competition, and which means they went to the opening ceremony. And um, yeah, I had a seat and I was right behind uh, Miss Spy. Quite, does
0: she look happy. as good in person as she does on screen?
1: She's quite radiant, yes. She's quite radiant. Um, uh, but the only problem did, is Did that she have a token her,
0: uh, gay friend with her?
1: What uh, they do say, some do say Joseph Chang's game. Okay, there you I'm go. Saying. But, uh, um, but, you know, unfortunately, I had to sit behind Barbara Wan and the director of Passion Island, Kum Kwa-Lan, to oh. get there. But so, yeah, uh, the, so that's
0: like a, that's like a, a,
1: a commentary sandwich right there, right? Right. That should tap, I should tap uh, 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 Kum on the shoulder and ask him, dude, for the DVD of Passion Island, why'd you take out the pissing seat? Why? Why? <laughs> But I'd be banned from the festival forever. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, uh, and, the, and at the opening ceremony, I saw Andy Lau. I, I seriously, I, I've seen Andy Lau like three times this year already. Like too many times, right? Um, I've seen Andy Lau. I saw uh, Trey Hark had the, won the uh, Outstanding Achievement in uh, Asian Cinema Award there. Um, and Oliver Stone won the uh, Lifetime Achievement Award. And if you read my stuff on Film Business Asia, um, they held a forum. They did a little talk together uh past uh, last week and Tuesday and where they exchanged um a few things, uh including you know a lot of politics of course, and where Johnny Toe throws Hong Kong under the bus. Yeah. Uh that's a great quote apparently everyone is saying it's a great quote because Johnny Toe essentially says, um, Hong Kong's been part of China for nineteen ninety seven, so why do people still hang on to Hong Kong cinema as this identity, you know, this this with this identity of Hong Kong cinema. Um, you don't hear people talk about Shanghai cinema, so why hang on to that? That's what he said,
0: hmm.
1: not me. Um, yeah, so so it's been interesting. Uh, just just read my work on uh, Film Business Asia um, to see what I've been uh, watching there. And like I said, the festival is is a messy, but you get a feeling that the people here really like films. They that you know, I went to a, a screening at three thirty yesterday in the middle of the afternoon as a Korean film and. You wonder, you know, do these people just want 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 to sit somewhere in an air conditioned room, just watch a movie, or do they really care about the movie? But they they really reacted to the film. They really loved the film. They were laughing. They were clapping. It's they still they they clap at end of screenings. Um, and you know when the Spin Festival works, um, these people, you know, I think the audience are genuinely. Uh, Likes movies and the festival it's a rare opportunity to bring films that won't wouldn't usually get shown in in cinemas um so it, you know if, if the administration improves um it could be a really really great festival but right now um and, and I still recommend it if you can you can come here i would still still say come here but um there's still a lot of problems and apparently they it, it's not going to be improving soon but um but no the festival itself um I think I think Shanghai people is great and I think mean, Shanghai the city is great and and the fact that they embrace this festival as they have for the last 20 years, I think that's also a great thing.
0: All right, well, I hope to have a chance to get out there one of these years. Uh, maybe if uh, I get lucky, I'll be able to you know, be like you and uh, sit behind uh, or sit in front of a gamguatlong,
1: long. <laughs> <laughs> sit behind bye-bye-he and yeah. close, close.
0: Um, all right, well, yeah, we will, um, we'll We'll definitely plug you, plug your brain for uh, some of your thoughts on things like uh, Monsters University and yeah. other stuff later, um, but right now you are on a gag order um, for that I, Lamp- I, I wanna I want to get out and watch that before we talk about it.
1: The Dante Lamp film is good. The Dante Land Lamp- film is good. I'll just say that. Dante, mm-hmm. Dante Lamp film is good. That's all right.
0: Awesome. So um, that's going to be it for our news section for this week. Again, it's a little bit of a short section because we are on sort of a, an off schedule today. Um, we'll hopefully have some more standard news for you guys next time. <clears throat> uh, for now, let's get on and talk about some film.
2: Spring. West. Spring.
0: All right. And so, speaking of Andy Lau, we've got an East screen uh, from Andy this week, and that is the film called Switch. Now, you oh, may God. have heard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you may have heard the the dissent coming from Kevin over there in Shanghai, and you may have heard, uh, if you pay attention to Chinese cinema on the interwebs, um, there's already been some reaction uh, to this film <laughs> that's been sweeping through um, various sites and blog spaces and... What happened? You can you. hear so, the scent coming
1: from China. All oh, of China is, is hating this movie, and he can yeah. smell
0: it. You, uh, well, we're gonna we're gonna throw in our two cents here into the ring. So, Kevin, why don't you start off with a uh, with us and uh, tell us about Switch?
1: No, how could you do that to me? I would do, I, would, I would decipher the plot now. Oh my god!
0: Wait, what? There was a plot?
1: Exactly. <laughs> why would you do that to me? Um, yes, yeah, Switch is, uh, and I'm just throwing up with what I think I know. Uh, Switch is a big, flashy action film from director Jason, um, who apparently is uh, quite the the rich man. Um, he he invest. He's a producer mainly. Uh, he's produced uh, films like Fit Lover, and I think even the, the film before that. Uh, I forgot. it Was called to Love? I think. But it's his directorial debut, and it his own company. And um, I don't know sure how he found the money, but he found the money. Um, the film is uh, stars Andy Lau as a uh, what's his name as a, a Xiao Jin Han a, a super secret agent working for uh, Hong Kong customs <laughs> which is weird it's just kind of this is mildly racist because saying that Chinese people are so good at piracy and breaking custom law that they need secret agents at the customs agency it's really strange but yeah anyway he's um and he's an anti-smuggling special agent who is assigned um, by F to um, to head an operation to retrieve um, a painting called the uh, "Dwelling in the Fuxian Mountains," which is a real painting, by the way, um, the, the, the painting is apparently separated uh, in half, and then it's supposed to um, come together again. It's like the one ring coming together again at this at this museum in Taiwan, but then uh, one half uh, one half was was stolen by. One of the the smuggling groups. There's a British smuggling group and a Japanese smuggling group because Jason was too lazy to come up with names. Um, and the, the painting is missing, and then like Andy Lau has to go and find it or something. <laughs> but we, uh he he has to hide the fact that there's a secret agent from his wife, played by John Dean Chu, who is actually a an insurance agent um, uh, for a company called PICC, a real Insurance company, by the way, um, who is also actually doing the same thing, who is trying to retrieve the the, the painting because um, because of course his job and um, and also Andy Lau, Sha Jin Han is also being uh, kind of stalked by this femme fatale, um, played by Lin Chi Ling. Um, her name is Lisa, I think. Um, who apparently who apparently seduces uh, Andy Lau with costume changes. Yes very really strange um but actually she in, in truth she works for Yamamoto the the super evil japanese um smuggler uh played by Tom Dawei um it, it's in, in addition to a real bad case of uh, Oedipus complex um he he yeah he's just he's just weird i don't know what but yeah, he really wants half of the painting or something and and now they all after the this half of the painting and but then the film is so confusing because you don't even know which part of the painting is where and you don't even get to see the painting. So what's the point? But um, yeah, that is essentially the story of Switch. Um, yeah, I don't even know how to. So is this kind of weird James Bond wannabe, except, you know, cost, custom agents really not quite like MI6 or MI... is MI6? I think so, yeah. I think say, yeah, it's not quite MI six, right? Or it's not, or it's not quite like Impossible Mission Force. Um, it's like Tom Cruise, Impossible Mission Force, James Bond, uh, MI six, Andy Lau, Hong Kong Customs. Um, just a really strange uh, idea. Um, lots of lots of money spent on locations. The film was filmed, I think, in Taiwan and Dubai and China. Um, so it really is trying to be this this new secret. Um, Secret Agent franchise, I guess uh, for China, um, and then they ruin it with really choppy editing. You don't even know where they are half the time. You can't even see the locations and the art direction half the time. Um, this really extravagant sets, um, especially the Yamamoto, Yamamoto is a, a, a layer, a layer I guess, a layer um, I guess. It has these you know really um, weird, just women who swing around on on rope, flying around and crap like that. It makes absolutely no sense. Um, and the editing makes it so that you can't really see any of it uh, because it's so choppy. Um, although, I have to add, that actually the Hong Kong uh, version of the film is uh, nine minutes shorter um, than the mainland version, and I've been told that the they, the Hong Kong company actually hired another editor to re-edit the film. So um, there may be uh, some stuff that was uh, cut out of the, the Hong Kong version that made it seem choppier, um, so that's a little disclaimer that we should put out there before. Um, so the mainline version could make more sense, but I'm not going to pay to watch it again. <laughs> it just doesn't make. I'm sorry, it just, it's two hours of my life. Um,
0: but we are going to watch it again. I'll get into that later.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, there's a reason. Um, but anyway, the script makes absolutely no sense because, like, I, so I was trying to explain the plot, I realized, um, yeah, the 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 idea that. Okay, the switch in the title refers to Andy Lau, at one point switching the, the half of the painting that he retrieves, and then, um, but at, at, at no point do you actually can you track the painting? No, um, and they have this really weird time bomb time bomb device in the plot where, you know, it's like there's a like countdown to the to the, to the, to to the, to the ceremony where they rejoin the paintings, and it's like. You know, if they can't find a painting, they can just uh, 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 cancel it or just delay it. It's like, what, what's the big deal? Um, so, it, so it's it's, just a, it's such a convoluted script that you know, if you if you if you have a movie about painting and you can't keep track of where the painting is, um, I think you fail as a script writer. scriptwriter. Um, but the, the actors, uh, Andy Lau is a scummy secret agent who is a terrible, terrible, terrible husband to his wife. Um, and um, you know, part, it, his role makes no sense. and He's trying to do this uh, Rico Suave thing. Um, and it's by no, no means by Andy Lau's fault. The only, the only way this Andy Lau's fault is because he said yes to the film. Um, his performance is fine. He does his Andy Lau thing. Um, is Andy Lau playing Andy Lau, playing a secret agent? Um, so on that level, he's fine but he's, his character is so terrible. Um, you know, he's supposed to be this, this really righteous uh, Chinese guy who forces bad guys to apologize to peasant girls. Um, but it's, at the same time, he's like this, this swarmy, um, philanderer, you know, playboy type, and you never know what the hell he's doing. It's really true. Um, and then Lin Ling plays the director's fantasy puppet, because um, she changes costume, like, what, 20 times in the film? Um, she's always trying to seduce Andy Lau. And then at one point, she's a nun. She shaves her head, she shaves her head and becomes a nun. And then at one point, she's, like, wearing, like, like a uh, 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 schoolgirl uniform. Or in the next scene, she's, like, an SF getup, up um, whipping, whipping Tung Dawei. It's it's a really strange role. And... Um, Again, you, you just think like Ling Chi probably thought this is her breakout role. And the poor girl like had all these costume changes, and now she's getting mocked for this film. It, it's kind of sad. Jan um, Jing Chu is the only real serious actress because, well, her character doesn't really do anything that's really silly. So, I mean, she really she tried, and, but she's totally in the wrong film. But no one in this film matches the, the level of Tong Dawei, who, who outcamps everyone as Yamamoto. Um, seriously, is like the most hilarious villain in recent memory, I think. Um, it, it, you know, has this peroxide hair, and he, and apparently he spends all day getting tickled by feather, lying down in bed. Just, it just, it's like this some, some, some Chinese um, Chinese person's ridiculous, absurd fantasy about the Japanese villains, like someone who grew up watching too many World War II TV dramas made in China. Um, it's really hilarious a uh, 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 level of xenophobia that's happening. That's even worse than like Hollywood because Hollywood at least well she Hollywood actually Hollywood has its own share of xenophobia, so it's actually not that bad. But it's just, it, it it's just, it it, it kind of crosses that border into really silly um design where you can't even take the villains seriously. Um the set designs are also silly. You have the uh, we we all, we've been joking about the 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 forest shack which uh, comes with a garage space uh, for your boat and also a little peasant girl who just sort of wanders into the plot for no reason. So you're joking that the, the peasant girl comes with, the, comes with the, the shack package. Where you rent the shack comes with a little assistant, uh, peasant girl. Um, and also the random, like... So at one point in Dubai, they, 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 they escape somewhere from like an action scene and suddenly they're in a, in a, in a, in a, in a tent in the middle of a desert for no reason. Yeah, and then the bad guy comes again, and they and then they're off again fighting people. But like, it's such random sets. Um, like I said, ton of money spent. Um, the, the film cost 160 million RMB. Um and a lot of that, you know, uh, you know, spent on these these location shoots. But the problem is they're totally wasted because there's no justification for them because they're, they're just so silly. Um, uh, also, really hilarious action scenes. Um, there's a, a a duo at the end where. I, all I can say is, um, the, my, my, my comment live when I was watching the is they, they fenced in the kitchen, and then they fenced in the bedroom, and then they fenced in the living room, and then up the, up the bookcases, or up the bookshelves. It's really strange, uh, um, making no sense, and um, even the action is not really that interesting. There's a um, desert car chase, which sounds like they put a lot of effort into it, but then you're kind of bored because it's just the, the story is so unengaging, even though there is a, a car chase through a hotel, like through into an outside hotel. Um, so, but you have to watch it through to see. Um, it, It's you know I, I'm a big fan I'm a fan of bad films and I'm a fan of trashy films and you know I see the value in them. but the thing is it crosses the line from, from trashy fun to trash by having really convoluted plot and self-righteous sense of xenophobia. Um, it takes itself too seriously, I think. Uh, I know some people will say, "Oh, it's you know, it's trashy. It's supposed to be trashy. It's it's supposed to be bad." But no one spends this much money to make shit. I mean, sorry, crap, <laughs> crap. Oops. No one spends this much money to 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 make crap, um, and you know, to but and and it totally doesn't feel like it's a film that's not worth taking seriously. Yeah, but I, you, you think that J-Soon really is trying to make like this big Hollywood blockbuster on a Chinese for China. But it comes off as completely like, it reminds me what Hong Kong was trying to do Hollywood and, and the really bad results that resulted from it. Um, and this is not going to help Chinese cinema. Um, you know, he, the the director has, has defended himself saying that China needs this kind of film, but, um, no, China does not need this kind of film. China needs a center, a logical, comprehensible, um, film with compreh- uh, you know, comp- comprehensible editing and, and you know uh, logical storytelling, not this type of crap. Um, it's, it's a waste of money. I mean, for Jason and for the Chinese audience. Um, but the good thing is we have our next commentary. Hey, hey, it's totally, uh, that's what we're going to do. Um, so I would say see it, but only with a certain amount of context, know that you're watching essentially the disaster, the worst uh, Chinese film or the movie the worst Chinese uh, word of mouth uh this year um this total disaster that everyone is hating um, um, yeah, see it with that context and without commentary, I think uh in some way it might be enjoyable, but you know it's it, the film is a hundred and twelve to hundred and twenty two minutes depends on which cut you see. It is too long, and, and, and it's really way too too incomprehensible to, to kind of sit through a film this long. It's almost, um, it's quite, too, it's not quite as fun as it sounds like. So, um, yeah, see approach with caution.
0: Paul? Yeah, wow. Uh, where to begin? Um, you know, okay, uh, first I got to say, Andy, what's up? You know, does Baby need a new pair of shoes? <laughs> because um yeah we'll get a little bit of andy andy loud news regarding this film uh at the at the end but really the wtf i mean <laughs> i went into this film um blind i I'd, I'd heard you guys talk about it um you know before before even you saw it there was already some word of mouth about the film i guess having I guess it came out of some festivals or some no, some, no, some no, early but... screenings or something. Yeah, early screenings. Maybe, and uh, so I kind of had in the back of my mind that this wasn't going to be a great film, but I thought, you know, Andy Lau, how bad can it be? You know, because mm-hmm. you know Andy just, you know, it can't be worse than Future X Cops, right?
1: Oh, this this is where you forget the career the career arc of Andy Lau. Yeah, <laughs> it's eight hundred degrees.
0: Um, so yeah, and and. I just went in and it was. I was at an interesting screening because I was in there. I was like the youngest guy in there because <laughs> it was a morning screening, and it was just all senior citizens. And the the place was packed. They were there. To, they were there to see Andy. Um, but boy, I mean, this was just bad. Does not describe this film. I think that the director Jason. Um, I, I think what he did was he sat down. For a weekend marathon of James Bond and Impossible Mission films, while he was jacked up on Red Bull and <laughs> No Sleep and went immediately into production of this film. That's how he made it. That's that's the only thing that that can explain the the, the, the mismatch that is this film in, in, in terms of of the way it's put together. And it's interesting that you say that the Hong Kong cut is different, that it's got a it's a different edit than the mainland cut. I'm kind of curious to see the mainland cut, how much worse can it possibly get? It probably makes
1: more sense. The plot makes a little more sense. Maybe. I don't know.
0: If not, if that's not the case, if he wasn't jacked up on Red Bull after No Sleep and movie marathons when he made this film, then he should never be given the money to make another film again, ever. Even if he's using his own money. Somebody should just say, (laughs) stop. Um, And because what you have here is you have all the elements... For, for these kinds of films. James Bond, Impossible Mission, you know, spy films that use a little bit of sci-fi tech in places and, and really go over the top. And they can be fun and they can work, you know. So you've got a lot of the same plot devices. You've got your stolen painting or your stolen thing, whatever it is. And, and you know, it, we've seen films where that have centered around some famous piece of Chinese art or, you know, I think of the movie like, um, uh, what was the movie... Um, was it Swordsman and the Swordsman series where it was like the secret scroll that had the, you know, that got stolen from the palace and can teach people to do the gender changing kung fu and stuff. And, you know, so it's like everybody was chasing around for that. Who had it? You know, who didn't uh, at certain points? And so, yeah, that's a fine plot device when used well. Um, here you've got the weepy, queer, uh, the, the, the weepy, uh, sorry, the creepy, weird villain um, who, who does have an Oedipal complex, you know, and he he picks uh, Lin Chi-ling's character I guess he grooms her because she looks like his mom for some <laughs> yes, weird reason. Yes, I forgot um, about that. You is. know, and 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 so okay. And we've seen we you know weird creepy villains like this before, you know, it's a standard sort of James Bond kind of a thing. That can work, you know. Bad foreign actors? Sure, you know. Throw us some Mr. Twisters or or whatever. Um, you know, I, I can, I can deal with that. Um, <laughs> assassin babes, you know, a fee, a female ninja squad. Yeah, that works. That's great. You know, um, the femme fatale, you know, the character Lisa with unclear motives, you know, does she, is she working for, with him or against him? You know, you have all these moments when you know who's, you know, she's clearly not on Andy's side. You know, there's going to be a, a betrayal at some point, but then she's going to get feelings for him. You, you've seen all this kind of stuff before that can work. Um, but then we get into territory with things like Andy Lau driving a car with a huge satellite dish on the top.
2: <laughs> you
0: yes, not and the that's the car way. he drives to work. And I'm just thinking, <laughs> really? And, and his, and, and now correct me if I'm wrong, but his wife, um, Zheng Jun Chu, she doesn't know he's an agent, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So and it's the, just, An hour and a half, you didn't even know, you didn't realize. Uh, see, she, I,
0: I couldn't okay. tell that. I thought that yeah. they were like working together. Yeah, because some of the scenes like she's there and she's talking about the thing and he's there too and I'm like okay, so they're like on the same side and then it's like later no, she doesn't know he's an agent and and what he's doing and and it's just weird. Um the way that it's kind of thrown together, it doesn't make a lot of sense <laughs> in 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 some, in establishing the relationships. Um and so yeah, the, so the film tries to mask really terrible direction and the editing i guess with location shoots but it's really just like frosting covering a cake made of poo because it just you know it, it it's not gonna work you know nobody's gonna want that cake of i have that image
1: in my head now damn it <laughs> i'm
0: sorry but you know it's oh, the yeah. truth Oh yeah. um you know in the case in point like kevin mentioned this scene um there's a character there there's a there's an action sequence that i think takes place at a hotel or a hospital, I don't remember where, um, and a character gets shot, and there's a chase. So you've got a character's being chased, one character's shot, and they're running away. The next scene, they've apparently gotten away, and they're in the desert, right? Because <laughs> this, this sequence is happening in Dubai. So the, the next scene is in the desert in this tent that's just there in the middle of nowhere. It's like they stopped and... Is it a convenience tent? Is it a 7-Eleven <laughs> tent? You know, I don't know. It's not, why is it there? And they just stopped and inside the tent is a little bed. And the person who shot, it's <laughs> kind of like laying on the bed. And it's like, oh, is it going to be okay? It's not going to be okay. What's going to happen? But then they're still being chased. You know, it's like, oh, the guys are, the, 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 the guys are coming. we got to go. we got to go. Well, why did you stop there? <laughs> you know, it's not a Red Cross tent. It's not a medical tent. It's just this tent with a bed. So they can like stop. <laughs> Talk, have this scene, and then go. You know, let let the bad guys catch up a little bit. It's just weird. Yeah. Um,
1: and that tent also comes with a, a, a random uh, Arab uh, Arab minion.
0: Yeah, there's a. Yes,
1: <laughs> exactly. There's a guy. He just, you know, I think he had a camel or something
0: standing <laughs> outside. It's like, you know, yeah. Set the stereotype scene so that we remind the audience that yes, they're in the desert and this is somewhere in the Middle East, and 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 it's you know. It's just the convenience tent, that's what it is. Convenience um, tent. It's you know, it's just so weird and then the, the 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 best thing, okay? Is you've got these moments where Andy Lau is doing his thing from his command center. Now, what <laughs> is his command center? It's a room with an exercise chair. Okay? <laughs> it's it, it it is. It's like a it's like an it it's an exercise chair. It's one of these all-in-one sort of Nautilus chairs. You don't really notice it unless you pay attention, but that's exactly what it is. And in this exercise chair around him, he's got this virtual display, sort of like Tom Cruise in Minority Report. And so he's just sitting in the chair, you know, like he's just done a couple reps and then he's moving data around. And I'm thinking, this is awesome. All he needs is for a little, you know, for for a little toilet to be on that seat. And he doesn't have to go (laughs) anywhere he can exercise, he can go to the bathroom, he can minute, he can surf the web, he can do it all right there from this awesome command chair. So um yeah, so that's the future folks. Uh, right there in in this movie. Uh Kevin also mentioned the climax. The climax is this scene where um you know the the main two characters have, you know, sort of are starting to fight it out and like many, you know, sort of classic movies, you know, the the villain has a a particular expertise in something. And so in this case, it's fencing. (laughs) But they don't just start fencing, okay? Because Andy's there and, you know, he's there, he's confronting the villain. The villain and Andy actually take the time to change into fencing costume. (laughs) They're not in fencing costume. The villain throws Andy a fencing helmet and Andy's got like this, it's like a black suit or, you know, Something, But in the very next scene, they start fencing and he's got the full white fencing uniform on with the helmet. So they actually took the time to say, yeah, this is this very important moment where the, you know, these two, uh, these two nemesis are going to fight each other, but they're going to be nice and, and they're going to put on the fencing gear. It's a gentleman man. Yes. And then they proceed to fence on bookshelves. Here, there and everywhere. Yeah, they climb, they they physically climb up vertical bookshelves in our fencing on a huge bookcase in like a this massive library. I'm like, what? Nobody fences that way. <laughs> you know, I, I took fencing for for a little while. My fencing instructor would kill me, you know, if you ever thought of, of doing it that way. It's just not gonna work well. Um <laughs> so yeah, I this film is just wow. The the I'm not even gonna rate this film. I'm simply gonna say, as Kevin said, coming soon to an east screen, west screen commentary near you. Um and and that's it. I mean it, if you're if you're gonna watch the film, it it's it's gonna be for the commentary because uh, this is this is totally commentary worthy. And uh, I will
1: put into I will put in perspective how badly this film has been received. Okay, a week after it came out, the word of mouth has become so bad, and in China, they cleared out essentially um, eleven days were switched to take the top spot to box office because Superman didn't come out until then, right? Um, Theaters were so quiet that they not only have to have Superman ready for the 20th, which has always been there, they moved up the Jet Li film by a week because they figured, um, well, one, because the tiny time is going to be huge, and two... People are so desperate for movies because no one is going to movies for the last week. So we have to put up the Jet Li film up there too, so people have choices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what are we movies to see? That's how bad the word of mouth is. People just aren't people just stopped going to the movies, period. It was like some of the lowest um it had some of the lowest um, total box office days while Switch was in cinemas because the word of mouth was so bad people didn't want to see it. Yeah. So no one went to the disc rather than not see anything. So that's how bad that's how bad it's been in China
0: so there's been a couple articles that have come out, and, and this is a, just a tiny bit of news to go along with this film. This is coming from uh, Janestars.com, and it's actually the, the source of the article is uh, from uh, um, ettoday.net, but it says that um, the, the title is called uh, Andy Lau Admits Switch Had a Bad Script. Um, it says that while he's attending the Shanghai TV Festival to promote the upcoming film Blind Detective, with uh, Sammy Chang and Johnny to. Um, He answered some questions regarding the poor reception of the film. Uh, he says he hopes to make a forgiving comeback with a blind detective. Um, please don't let switch influence your perceptions. Um, <laughs> and he, he he praises Sammy Cheng and Johnny to. Um He says that, I admit I'm not very good at choosing the right film. I sometimes <laughs> think too highly of myself and tend to believe whatever script I have in my hands have my hands on would end up being good i i will learn from this and do better next time sorry uh, johnny, <laughs> it's been to, about, yeah. johnny to also commented he said it's fate that andy always ends up doing a bad film after a few good ones you can never <laughs> learn from mistakes if we never made one <laughs> so, wow actually it's go. been
1: talked about it's been talked about at the festival because that is yes switch is um you know it, it did a huge first week And it's been talked about actually several forums that I covered from Business Asia. And um, Shu Jen, the director of Lost in Thailand, said if Jay Soon had all this money to hire a Hollywood team to do his special effects and all the action, why didn't he hire a Hollywood scriptwriter?
0: Or a Hollywood (laughs) director?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Or uh, uh, who else? Um, What else? Um, uh, The producers' forum. Yeah, uh, uh, they were talking about the film because they say that people. Essentially, after the first week, people still go to see it because they have to have a conversation. Uh, they have, to have a conversation topic. Uh, today in China, the film, uh, a film is certainly worth more than the price of a ticket. It's also worth about a week of talk or a week of conversations. And then uh, yeah, and then the, the, the apparent conclusion is that the, the market isn't mature enough, and the, and the lo- audiences aren't logical, mm, yeah. because of films like Switch. So yeah, it's been it's been actually a huge topic here in, in Shanghai because yeah, um, because of this word of mouth and why is it doing so well. But actually it's not really doing that well because um because by all means it should be doing as much money as say finding Mr. Right or um or, you know, films like that, like 500 and 600 million because of the huge opening day, but instead it's done about half that. So I mean it shows that Chinese audience still has some that word of mouth is still a a a a, a effective tool, thank God, here in China that, you know that people do tell people, other people to not see a film, or they people know that it's a bad film, they won't go see it, it takes some time to, to kick in. But, you know, at least, thank God, there's some logic going on here in China still.
0: Yeah, indeed. Um, so that there you have it. Uh, don't see Switch until we do our commentary, and then you <laughs> might have a, a small excuse to watch it. Uh, in the meantime, Lao Ching-Wan says,
2: So good,
0: bad. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, I think it's time to move on and to talk about our West Screen film.
2: E-Screen,
0: West Screen. All right, so one from one bad film to another. Um, this Ooh. week on West Screen, right, here we go. I am That's going so- to be talking about the film After Earth because uh, Kevin had more sense than I did, and uh, he avoided this one like the plague. So um after earth is the latest uh the latest uh, experiment if you want to call it that <laughs> um no, it's the latest film from director m night uh Shyamalan, who um he co-wrote with uh gary witta uh this is a, apparently based on a story idea that came from will smith um, who stars in the film and it takes place in the future um, and after uh, you know basically what's happened is is at some point in the future, there's an environmental catastrophe, and it forces the human race to abandon planet Earth and to settle um, out in space on a new world uh, called Nova Prime or something like that. Um, and so it's like a thousand years in the future, and uh, there's uh, this group called the Ranger Corps. They're sort of like you know these space Marines basically. Uh, they're sort of a peacekeeping organization, and um, the the commander of this organization is played by a, a General Rage, I guess, and that's uh, Will Smith's character. Um, and we encounter an alien race called the Skrell, I guess. Um, who they they are? Uh, they're not. They're it's not the Skrull themselves are not really clear, um, but we end up the humans end up having a war with them and to conquer Nova Prime. And they end up using these um, alien creatures called uh, Ursas, which are not bears, which is, so it's a weird name for them, why they're called Ursas. But anyway, um, these alien creatures, these these are the aliens that you see in the film. Um, you don't really get a chance to see the Skrull. But um, the Ursas are sort of like their... They're enforcer troops i guess is what you call them and they are these blind these big blind predatory creatures that hunt by sensing fear okay (laughs) and the way they explain explain it is that they they smell the fear because of the pheromones that people emit when they're afraid right so um, um so you know the thing about will smith's character is that um he is able to mask his fear and it, this becomes a technique called ghosting. And because he's able to mask his fear, he's invisible to the Ursus. And so he can just walk around and kill them. Um, and so he is able to, as one man, I guess, turn the tide uh, against the aliens, which is kind of weird when you think about it, you know. Um, and there's a lot of weirdness in this film. What, what, the, the basic plot is that, okay, so you've got Will Smith's character and then you've got his son, um, who's sort of the main character here. Um, even after all that buildup. Um <clears throat> his son's name's Kitai and uh, played by Jaden Smith, and he is trying to live up to his father's reputation. Um he's kind of in his father's shadow, he's trying to become a ranger, and um, you know, he's young, teenager, that, that kind of archetype. While they're um they're going on a training mission, um something happens, it's like a asteroid storm or something. And the ship gets damaged, they do a hyperspace jump to try and get to safety, and they end up crashing uh, back on planet Earth. Planet Earth has now evolved, after a thousand years, to be this place that is um, designed to kill humans, if I remember how they... they um, or evolved to kill humans, is one of the lines they use. So in just a thousand years, animal species have drastically changed. Um, you know, and so the science here is very, very kind of wishy-washy, as one might expect from a Shyamalan film. So yes, Shyamalan strikes again. So basically the the whole story is the two of them as survivors crashed on Earth trying to survive to get rescue to come. Unfortunately for them, an Ursa has also, was also on the transport and has crashed with them. So you can imagine what happens. Uh, Will Smith is kind of laid up and it's up to his son Katai to go and set the beacon and save the day. So there's the plot. It's a father-son deal where the father doesn't relate well with the son for various reasons. You know, there you've got family history and backstory that comes into play at a certain point. None of that really matters that much in this film um, because it is a science fiction film. And so you're, you're going into this for the aliens and for the visuals and things like that. But when those things are dumb, the rest of the movie kind of you don't care for it as much um that's part of the problem with i think genre film you know when you when you do a science fiction film if the science fiction that you're doing isn't good then the people who are most likely to see your film aren't going to care about the other stuff even if that stuff is somewhat okay so here the science is too nonsensical the fact that you've got you know giant birds and um, angry big baboons and things that have evolved on Earth, and you know spiders, um, and, and just weird things um, that 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 they come across in the environment on Earth. Um, a thousand years is just not enough time for this kind of evolutionary process to take place. Um, the the aliens, the, the my biggest problem though is the alien is just super dumb. <laughs> um, so yeah, the Ursa. Okay. Well, for, the first problem is this. You've got these big aliens that can smell fear. Okay, fine. Where are the guns? Nobody has guns. They fight with these things. It's like a two-foot stick that has some kind of smart metal capacity that can change into, like, sword. You can pull it apart and have two swords. You can make it into a big spear. You know, so what you ima- you can make it into a tool. So what you imagine, the sh- it reshapes and becomes. Kind of an interesting idea, but where are the guns? Really? People are just going to walk around and use swords again, even though you've got space travel? It just doesn't make sense. Um, these Ursa things, they're blind, and they smell fear. Really? Really? Can, can you think of a way that you might beat that? You know, the idea is that you, you drop these things in a population, you know, it's kind of like a terrorist thing. You know, they smell the fear and they go around. The fear makes them able to sense you and go around and kill you okay so sure works great against population but you're talking okay. about soldiers you're telling me the military Kevin if you could smell me but you couldn't see me what is one thing that I could do so that I could be you know I, I could make it so that you couldn't find me
1: How, what, what what is it
0: well you're in space right <laughs> space suits right you can't, you can't smell, smell things me. through a space suit because it's a sealed suit <laughs>
1: Okay, it's, I, it's, I'm sorry, I would never employ like. it's the idea is you, you you need soldiers to go and kill people? You couldn't find ones that aren't blind.
0: Well, it, no, no, it's, it, it's 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 not that it's not that they're they're it, these these things are like bioengineered, right? Uh, I, I guess
1: bioengineered things that are blind. Yes,
0: it's it's just it's a, such a it's like you know it's it's going back to signs. Okay, remember the aliens and signs? Yeah. Aliens are going to come Water. to Earth. Yes. A place that's mostly water and they're allergic to water, right? <laughs> I mean, come on. Come on, Mr. Knight or M. Knight, or can I, or should I just call you M? <laughs> um, it just doesn't make sense, you know? So nobody uses guns. Nobody uses spacesuits to, to, to mask their pheromones. So these, you know, instead it's all about you got to control your emotion so you can get into this ghosting mode. No, you just put on a sealed suit and you're just <laughs> as blind. Or the alien will just be just as blind, won't be able to find you. (laughs) Um, So please, Mr. Knight, or or M. Knight, or Mr. Shyamaline, don't do any more aliens, please. (laughs) I I See, I know what happens is he sits down and he he gets in a brainstorming session and, you know, because there's a line in it where Will Smith says, they literally smell our fear. (laughs) You know, uh, sure, it's a great line, but it's dumb. It's dumb in practice, you know, so don't make aliens you know it's just like in signs right the whole thing was the little girls putting the the cups of water all over the house why is she doing that you know and why what why is why is the 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 message from the mom swing away you know it's it's because that's the trick he's building the whole movie around that trick even though the rest of it doesn't make sense so here's the trick ghosting smelling fear build the whole movie around that even though it doesn't make sense <laughs> um getting past a lot of what? that is is not too hard because Will Smith. Will Smith is awesome. You know, he's 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 very stoic in this film. He it's not a dynamic role for him and again, it's not really um a big role for him, but I still liked him in the role. I kind of wish it was more about him and his character um than his son. That's another sort of uh unfortunate aspect about the film. The visuals are really nice. I mean, it's got a good budget and, you know, looking at at um parts of earth and and some of the landscapes and stuff is is really really nice but the the other problem too is the main character is not really that compelling um and i know this is a vehicle created by dad for jaden right yeah and it's nice that he has the power to try and do that but i think at a certain point you have to tell yourself that your son is not you and he may not have the the charisma to carry roles like you do, um, and you know you might need some outside I don't know some outside guidance in you know because you know we all love our kids and you know we think our kids are awesome right um, but uh, yeah he's just not that now, I haven't seen the remake of the Karate Kid yet have you seen that
1: No yeah, I've seen parts of it on TV yeah. but no.
0: I just don't... The character, the actor himself, um, Jaden Smith, doesn't... He doesn't seem to have a whole lot of charisma for me. Not that he can't find roles that suit him and, you know, work into roles, but I think that here is a case of Will trying to make his son sort of an action star that's been his niche for quite some time. And I just... Don't see it. I don't, I don't, I, it it didn't really work for me. Um, and in part, it's because the character here is kind of annoying and you don't really like the character of, um, Katai all that much. Um, so yeah, I mean, there are some, there are some things that you can find. There are some moments in in this film that you can find that are nice and uh, some, some things that don't make it an overly terrible film, but. For a sci-fi film, it's really dumb. I think a lot of sci-fi fans are just going to pick up on these, these things that it's like, all right, do you know how science fiction works? You you just can't make stupid stuff like this that don't make a lot of sense. Um, and so I think that's why the film's been getting some you know some negative, you know some negative reviews and some some negative discussion um, around the internets. That being said, I'd. St- I I can't really say it's a complete flee it. I'd say it's a kind of a borderline flea it and TV it. I think if it was like on TV and there was nothing else to watch, you know, I might leave it on in the background for a couple of the moments. Um, but overall, it's just not a really great film. Um, so only the most probably hardcore science fiction fans would would find some enjoyment in it. I think a general audience probably won't care too much about the alien issue because they probably won't make that connection um, in the, you know sort of the same nitpicky way that I, that I did, and they might buy into the father-son relationship a little bit more, um, and that might work for them. But I think, on, on the whole, it's just not a great film. Still better than Switch, but that's not saying much. <laughs> All right, so yeah, that's After Earth. Um, watch it after dark. When you're getting ready to go to sleep.
1: Oh, I was like after dark because what was have like, adult elements? <laughs> <laughs> after dark.
0: Yeah, no, no, that, that 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 would you know after Earth on the uh, Playboy Channel would be something completely different. Um, <laughs> it, yeah.
1: Alien non human. Yeah, you went yeah. there, not me. <laughs> you fought it. You fought it after dark, buddy. I...
0: Yeah, that's uh. I don't know. What what was that weird movie? A 33D Invader. There you go.
1: <laughs> yeah. If the director, 33D Invader directed after Earth. Yeah.
0: All right. Uh, I think that's. Becoming a man. I think that's about all, the, all I wanted to say about uh, After Earth. So uh, let's move on to. We have a video discussion this week with a special guest.
1: The East is Blue.
0: Wait, what? All right, so we are finally having a video segment once again here on on the show, and we're very pleased to have joining with us this time uh, a man who goes by a couple different titles. Uh, Some know him as Dr. Lam, uh, those who listen to the podcast on Fire Network, and others might know him as the Ink Ronin uh, for some of the interesting artwork and mashups he does between uh, art and Hong Kong cinema and some of his other interests. And, of course, that person is Mr. David Lam. How are you doing, sir?
2: I am doing great, Paul. Thank you for having me here.
0: Well, the reason we're having you here is because um, we're going to be talking about the video release of a film we've touched on uh, before, a couple, I guess a month or a couple months back. And uh, this is uh, Wong Kar Wai's film, The Grandmaster. Now, you are, in fact, a well-known Wong Kar Wai fan or super fan or... Uh, I'm, I'm not sure what kind of label, uh, you would place on yourself in terms of your fandom, um, a groupie. but this, what's that?
2: A groupie. A
0: groupie. Yes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so this was a very, I guess we could say you were in high anticipation of this release and that was met with, would, would it be fair to say an equally high disappointment?
2: I think that's fair. Okay,
0: so uh, why don't you um get into a little bit I mean, we we've reviewed the film before, but um, you know, you're free to talk about some of your thoughts on the film since is this this is your first chance to really um, get into your thoughts on how you see the film in comparison with his other you know his other works right but um more specifically, I think you're gonna want to rant a little bit about the technical specs of the release itself. Now we are talking um are we both um talking uh i have holding in my hand here the um what is it the metal pack version i guess
2: oh no i'm not even that fancy i'm just a regular uh maya d v d just
0: the regular maya d v d okay yeah um so you didn't even go with the blue
2: no no okay. I, I just um, went with
0: the but as as my understanding and discussions with kevin the uh, the feet, the things like the special features and uh, the uh, the new music effects and sound effects, those are all on the DVD version as well, right?
2: Yes, I believe yeah. so. All
0: right, so you know, did you first? Did you like the film? I mean, in in the scope of Wong Kar Wai movies, um, what were your thoughts on it as a film?
2: Well, every time Wong Kar a new film, I'm I'm pretty uh, stoked about. You know, I'm I'm always eagerly awaiting what, what he'll release next. And this uh, this movie was no different. I mean, I was listening to you guys talk about it. I was reading reviews and I was just completely jacked about it. So, you know, um, I found out when the DVD was released and, you know, off I went to get it. And the first thing I did when I got home was I really just popped in the, the special features because, you know, I pretty... No, I pretty much know what I'm going to get into with the movie cuz I've, I've been reading reviews and I've been listening to you guys. But I was curious about the this bonus content and then the first thing I did was pop in the disc and you know it's really just um it's a trailer. It comes with four really brief interviews that are not subbed. Now, um I'm pl- I'm pretty fluent in Cantonese, but um three of the the interviews are conducted in Mandarin and there was no subs. So that, uh, that was pretty much useless to me and, and that was about it. And it's just baffling that they, they needed a second disc for uh bonus content. That was just so, so uh, limited and um, yeah, it's, it's just disappointment, you know, like that. I've been a fan for such a long time. We all know, Wong Kar Wai, spends hours and hours and hours and hours shooting. So like there, there shouldn't be a, a, you know, a lack. In in this
0: case, it was years and years and years. (laughs) Absolutely,
2: yeah, absolutely. I mean, one would think
0: that he's 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 amassed a great deal of, you know, ng footage and has talked with people, in various interviews over the years. So you would think this, this uh, you know, of the movies that come out of Hong Kong, this one would be rife for special features.
2: Absolutely. Like, you know, what happened to the, the infamous uh, unused footage for Days of Being Wild? You know, uh, I'm still waiting for a criterion on that. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, so have have you, you've, you've watched since, watched the film itself?
2: Yeah, I watched it twice. Yeah,
0: and so what were your thoughts on it as a, you know, as a one car wai film in comparison with um with his other
2: films. I thought it was good, not great. I mean, it's kind of what I expected from him. I mean all his his uh his fixations are still there, you know. Like like you said, it seems as if the entire film is shot in slow motion. <laughs> there's there's that it's heavily reliant on Uh, monologues, right? Uh, It's beautifully shot. But uh, I was, to be honest, I was probably expecting a little bit more, expecting him to really go into a different direction. And it it seems as if he's still fascinated with the same things, just with a different context.
0: And did you think that, um, I mean, in... In terms of the, you know, you've got some regular features here uh, in terms of, you know, the cast. You know, Tony Leung, obviously, kind yeah. of in what a lot of people going into the film would think is a lead role, but actually some would argue he takes, you know, uh, second fiddle. He plays second fiddle to Zhang Zi's storyline. Um, and, of course, you've got this, the, the rumored lost or cut footage of... Um, uh, Chang Chen's character. And that's, I think, the one thing that I was disappointed with this release is that we don't get any of, there's no expansion of the film at right. all. And I think Kevin was saying when we when we initially uh, touched on the release, he was saying that uh, this is more of a Mei-Ah decision than a Wong Kar-Wai decision. Uh, he doubts Wong Kar-Wai had any real Say or or pull in yeah. terms of you know what, what what we're holding in our hands right. in terms of the content or, or even um, the, the the look of it.
2: Right, but it's just really odd that if you go back through his entire filmography, every um, DVD release in Hong Kong is, is pretty sparse. I mean, I, I think uh, Two O Forty Six at least came with um, you know. Some special features and and um, postcard set, yeah, and even um, the documentary for the making of um, Happy Together. I think it came with a lamp or something. <laughs> so it's just uh, it, it just baffles me. I mean, and I paid thirty dollars Canadian for for the standard DVD. This is not even the Blu-ray or a Criterion we're talking about here.
0: Yeah, that that is. Um... I I was I would say I was expecting more but when I heard the release date I was very surprised because it was it was like many Hong Kong films it was basically I mean there are, I think uh, I was at the shop one of the local stores yesterday and they had just released uh the Wong the Wong Jing movie uh, Princess mm-hmm. and Seven Kung Fu Masters and that was <laughs> that was literally you know just after Chinese New Year Right. And it's taken this long for that film to come to a, a DVD release. It seems like the Grandmaster mm-hmm. was shoved out in a much shorter time frame. Right. Um, and I know that there's going to be other versions. And I think Kevin said that uh, when he was over in France that uh, he picked up that there is a there is a uh, French uh, steel book. It's actually going to be a steel book, not a metal pack. Um, that is coming, you know, later in the year. Um, Are you an avid collector? Are you going to be, you know, getting every version of of this that comes out? Or do you think you will uh, hold off? Well, it's
2: (laughs) It's kind of like an addiction. I mean, for Chunking Express, I probably own four versions, including the VHS. Um, With this one, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I'm going to, you know... Get another copy because I've seen a lot of the the special features online, mm-hmm. and I just really wanted it to be collected on a disk because uh, I know that the specials online are, are not going to last forever they're probably just going to disappear sooner or later, and it seemed like the perfect opportunity to just have all that on the disk right
0: yeah definitely um I would say definitely a uh, you know it. it, it I'm not, I wouldn't, I don't know. It, do you think it's a money grab? Is, is that, is, were they just trying to, uh, uh, you know, build off of the theatrical release to pick up, pick up more cash while people were still talking about the film?
2: It certainly feels that way. I mean, and now I don't buy a lot of Hong Kong DVDs, but, um, the Johnny Toe stuff and the, the Pan Ho Chun stuff, I, I definitely get. And those are usually pretty loaded with stuff, with specials as well. I mean, you know, uh, Pangilinan even has like commentaries for all of his movies, pretty much.
0: Yeah, it, it, for this release, it definitely feels like a more of a standard, um, regular, you know, n- non-auteur based film release. Right. Um, and I do have a, I do have quite a few discs. I would say that uh, follow this model where they've You know, they've got uh, the movie on one disc and then they've got, you know, special features on a a second disc. But the special features will be, uh, you know, a making of, which really isn't a making of. The the making of's they do now are basically these five minute to eight minute little slots that they've actually created as promotional material to play on the buses here. (laughs) Um, You know, they play, they have these, you know, TVs on the buses for people taking long bus rides. And they play all kinds of um, commercials, and uh, and they have interviews with
2: celebrities. So and this things. is basically more like a montage.
0: Yeah, it's it's you know it's just like a, it it they they have it it's that's called the Roadshow Channel or something. Um, but they have content that's specifically created for for these, and a lot of times there'll be these you know short, you could kind of call them making ofs, but it's more like showing. Uh, a trailer of the film mixed in with a couple interviews of people working on, on the film, but you know, th- to sound like an old man here, the the, the old back in my day uh, kind of ideas that I remember when making of used to be twenty or thirty minutes long, and they right. used to show a lot of a lot more behind the scenes stuff. Uh, you know, now it's like you know, you're you're lucky if it's trailer length. In some cases, I'm thinking more of mm-hmm. the actual uh, Stephen Chow's trailer for the 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 initial trailer for um journey to the west conquering demons was more of a sort of a behind the scenes look you know showing a couple shots of the actors working with steven chow and not really even showing any actual scenes from the movie yet because they hadn't done the you know the final processing and so now you get things like that and they call it a making of and i feel. It's a little bit cheapened in in some ways.
2: Uh, absolutely, um, you, I you, think we can all. Sorry. No, go ahead. I think we can all agree that uh, a trailer isn't you know shouldn't be part of some special feature, right? It shouldn't be considered a special feature, nor should the the data bank. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anybody that goes through that. Like, I, I,
0: well, I I do. Do you? Yeah, I go through some of the data bank stuff. <laughs> Just to see what they've, you know, it's really good too, like for some of the older movies where the the celebrities have like kept working and they might have done even better stuff since that particular data bank was written. So it's interesting to see, you know, the point in time when they're writing about, you know, this actor or that director and their body of work and then how that reflects and, and, and how that sort of misses out on the stuff that comes later in terms of the writing. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm a person who, if I'm watching a movie and I'm, you know, I've seen it a lot of times, I'll flip over and I'll look through all that stuff. And I, I do like, uh, especially on like some of the older Celestial Shaw releases when they have the movie posters and they yeah. do have, you know, they'll have the original trailer and they'll have sort of the remastered current trailer for, for the DVD. And I like to go back and look at, you know, some, uh, especially some of the original trailers because they're sort of washed out and grainy. Um, right. That that makes me feel I don't know it's it's a sense of false nostalgia because it's not like I was in Hong Kong when those films came out. Absolutely, but, um, it reminds me of sitting in cinema and watching you know really terrible prints of trailers and things. Um, I know. So I I do like that kind of stuff, but again, if it's only a couple things, if it's only you know like ten images in a photo montage, a, a single trailer and a, and a short five minute making of, you don't really need an extra disc for that.
2: Right. And I like you. I don't mind the the data bank stuff and the the trailers on older movies because older movies I remember were signific- uh, significantly cheaper. Like they weren't thirty dollars. I yep. remember when I could get a a Stephen Chow movie for maybe eight bucks Canadian, and and that was fine. Like I I could you know I could deal with just having a trailer, if it was eight bucks. But this is like thirty dollars.
0: Yeah. And and perhaps part of that, too, is the name recognition internationally. Right. Um, you know, with this being a Wong Kar Wai film and perhaps the distributors knowing that, yeah, people are going to pay the top dollar mm-hmm. for a
2: Wong Kar Wai film. And and it was sold out when it was released here.
0: Yeah, well, they had, had to they go had to a, a few places. They had a problem with the... I know they had a problem with the, problem with the metal packs here. Um, yeah, I heard you guys talking about it. There, um, there was a little bit of... Uh, confusion as to whether was, was it was a steelbook was it a metal pack they weren't really sure when it was coming and then I just uh, I think it was at Hong Kong Records they had these boxes that you sort of had to take up to the to the uh, counter and pre-order and I was right. like I don't, I, I, don't, I don't do pre-orders I just that's, <laughs> I, I hate doing that kind of stuff um, it's funny because I play a lot of games and they always have these pre-order specials for like you know little, like Gears of War if you pre-order it you get some extra thing or something, mm-hmm. and I never do that, and because not a lot of people buy games at places like Hong Kong Records, they'll go to, you know, Shum choi Po or some district where they can get a little bit cheaper, but because I have a member card, I can still get points and things, so Very. I'll pay a little bit extra, but, you know, I'll go in there the day of release and get a game I really want and take it up to the counter, and they'll give me the pre-order stuff anyway, even though I haven't pre-ordered <laughs> anything, so... I always find it a bit of a, an annoyance to do the pre order thing, but they were doing that at Hong Kong Records. And I was like, I'll just, you know, I'll get the standard Blu ray or something. I'm not that keen. Mm-hmm. But then I was in a small local shop near where I live. And I, I try and go there and buy stuff to, you know, support them over the chain whenever I can. And mm-hmm. sometimes they tend to be a couple dollars cheaper too. But they yeah. had the metal pack right there on the shelf. And I was like, well, they got a couple of these. I'll just grab this. It's only. Sweet. It's only a couple. I think it was like thirty dollars Hong Kong more than the standard Blu-ray. And so I was like, yeah, I'll I'll get it. You know, I'm not a big collector of the SteelBook things like Kevin is, but I thought, all right, this is the first one they've released as a Hong Kong film. It's probably something I should have.
2: Right. So actually, how much was it, Paul? Uh, The
0: the Hong Kong price was two hundred ninety-nine, which is um, okay. What is that? That's like about thirty-five U.S. I'm not sure what that translates over to Canadian. Well, I mean, but no, it's um, yeah,
2: I think it's, it's, it's probably not over forty bucks, right? It shouldn't be I, I, Yeah, I, I mean,
0: I, I my curr my currency calculation is such a rough estimate. That, <laughs> um It's hard. It's hard for me to, to to think I could pull out maybe pull out my phone and
2: uh my phone's off.
0: I oh, will. Right. But, but it's it's, it's 7.8 bottom line, uh, It's still
2: cheaper yes. than than my version. Yes. They're, they're probably a little bit more expensive, but I would have gotten your version. I yeah. would have spent like $5 more. Yeah. To yeah. get the, the metal pack.
0: Um I think in terms of the, you know, the overall look what, what what were your thoughts on the like the um the way it looked, the resolution and and those things uh, as you as you watched it um from the DVD. Does, no, it, uh, does it look vibrant or does it look you know kind of bland
2: you know what it looks kind of muted to me mm-hmm. i I honestly thought it would be a little bit more crisp but it, it just looks a little muted it's it's watchable but um the transfer itself i don't I don't think it's the best
0: mm-hmm. yeah I think Kevin was saying a similar thing to me um, with the blu-ray version as well and mm-hmm. again it you know the hope is, is that we'll get a, you know, a director's cut or maybe a criterion cut in my lifetime. Who knows?
2: <laughs> right. Um,
0: but when and if that will happen now that we have, now that people have this, you know, these versions out there um, is anybody's guess. And I, I, I'm not one who's going to, I mean, I think Kevin would probably go for the the France version. To do some comparison and, and see the differences. Mm-hmm. If there's English subtitles as an option, there may not be. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, in, I'm, I'm not somebody who would do that. I mean, usually once I have a version, unless unless it's a movie
2: I really, really, really love,
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, I don't think I would double up on it. What do you think um, the French version is a, a double disc? Do you know?
0: Um, well, it's a steel. It's a. It's an actual steel book, from what Kevin said. Mm. <clears throat> so I'm assuming so. Um, but uh, I think Kevin said he was going to wait and see <coughs> excuse me wait and see what the special features and uh, the things were before he started looking online to try and you know get one because by to to be able to get it here in Hong Kong he 'd probably have to go through you know right. a, a secondary uh, sales server ser- service like eBay or something um,
2: mm-hmm.
0: un- unless he can get it through i don 't know Amazon France. But I don't think he right. speaks French well enough. Maybe he has some some contacts <laughs> now that he's been over there. So, well, so Fair yeah. Enough. I mean, uh, I think it's uh, it's still a film people should see, although sure. perhaps not at, at uh, you know the expensive price point that uh, a lot of distributors are are mm-hmm. out there uh, you know releasing it for. And it's definitely you know something to wait for if you're somebody who wants to. You know, who wants to have special features, or who wants to have more interviews, or a director's cut, possibly, um, which which is probably the one thing, as I said, that I would that would motivate me. I don't know if it's the same cut with a few additional special features. I don't think I'd go for it. But if right. if they come out with a cut that includes, like I said, the Changchen footage and and some other stuff that's actually in the narrative, then I think I'd be more motiv- motivated to. Um, How did.
2: Sorry, how did you feel about um his character, uh, Chang Chang's character in the in the film? Did you feel like it was just that his introduction was a little too abrupt and his is I, I think was I think he's the abrupt?
0: he's the most uneven character. Right? right. And I think it comes down to the fact that they, you know, there there's apparently significant more significant footage that's out there that was cut from the film. So it, it, in it, in some ways it feels like you know does it's you're not really sure why he's in the film because these, right. these this other footage has connections with other characters that that now you don't see so it just I, seems a bit weird you know it's like yeah. at, at one point he's in a barber shop right and i'm like right. well, you know what's what's going on with this what what, <laughs> is, what does this have to do with ipman you know or,
2: or, i or agree Sonny with you me. so um I- I think he's one of the more intriguing characters. Yeah, and
0: definitely, definitely. And and I, that's the thing, I want to know more about him. And there's just not a whole lot there. There's not a whole lot of meat there.
2: Right. I think the, it would have almost made sense just to even cut his character out completely if this is the cut you're going with. Yeah. Because you, it, it, you, it you just you feels have done that,
0: but then you'd feel really bad for him because apparently he <laughs> right. spent a lot of time training. You know? Yeah. And even now you don't get to see you know, Chang Chen, the actor, spent you know rumored to spend, uh, uh so much time training that I actually think Came he's gone Chan. out. And he's competed and and won yeah. won some things since. And you, of course, you don't get to see a lot of that on on the screen. Right.
2: <clears throat> well, I don't know if you noticed, but Chi um, Lim is in this movie as well. Lim. And he's in it for maybe fifteen seconds.
0: Yeah, there. You know, there's so many. Um, there's quite a few cameos that it's just easy to miss at points and I think Kevin was pointing out uh, some of these ideas to me too um, yeah that it's, it's, it's definitely a film that takes multiple viewings but unfortunately I'm not, I'm not a Wong Kar Wai connoisseur so I can't do multiple viewings of Wong Kar Wai in a very short period of time you, know, you give me Wong Jing, yeah I can watch a Wong Jing film you know, as an, during afternoon tea, no problem. To, long car I'm the wise, exact opposite. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's like, no, I've got to be in the mood and I've got to, you know, I've got to have uh, nothing on my plate in terms of, you know, work or other things I have to get done so I can just free up my brain and focus. Very. Um, so, yeah, but um, yeah, I definitely need to go through it a couple more times and, and pick up on, uh, There there's definitely a lot to pick up on.
2: Yeah, I, I would say you know it's it's worth a, a rewatch. I mean, you can definitely marvel at some of the CGI stuff. The train stuff is pretty decent, I think.
0: Yeah, definitely. And uh, you know, as as I've said, I think for me this is probably uh,
2: I I don't
0: think it's my favorite Wong Kar Wai film. I think I still reserve Ashes of Time in that spot. Um, right. But I'd say it's a close second. And again, I know that a lot of people are going, what? Yeah. But, you, you know, take into context that I'm not a huge Wong Kar Wai fan. Um, I prefer much more straightforward narrative. I'm much more of a Wong Jing guy. So <laughs> this, you know, this suits my palate. In, and because of the, the, the context of the film, you know, being about loosely, very loosely, you know, about Ip Man and the way that the narrative takes place here. Um, it's much more suited to my tastes, than some of his more famous stuff, you know. That's that's arguably technically better, um, but for me, is not quite as watchable or re- rewatchable. I would I would say.
2: I would have thought uh, for non Wong Kar fans, uh, the movie would be Chunking Express that people go to. Really, you know, it's quick and easy. It's yeah, poppy. It's
0: quick and easy, but I think that it's a little bit. Uh, it, it, I mean, it, it's it's it, don't get me wrong; it's a great film, but for me, it's a little bit too. St- too. Too rough, I would say, in terms of in mm, terms of, um, you know, what it's doing and the the, the character associations and things, it was br- brilliant for its time and it's it, it's an absolutely brilliant Hong Kong film, mm-hmm. but but it's not something I don't know it's not something I find overly entertaining, in no. terms of a narrative, so, but that's just me, you know I know that right. uh, that's up there. On many, many people's one car list.
2: Well, how about um, as years go by? has your uh, your man crush Andy? Yeah
0: <laughs> I don't know <laughs> Andy's in, Andy's in hot water right now because of his last movie. Oh
2: <laughs> switch yeah, oh God that's uh, <laughs> have you seen it yet?
0: Yes, and that's coming up on the next episode, and that's definitely going to be a future commentary. so I can't wait. that uh, can't tells wait. a lot right there. <laughs>
2: Well, didn't he even admit that the script wasn't yes. uh, the yes. best? Yeah, there
0: was an uh, there was an article that came out uh, on uh, a couple sites a couple days ago. Said, yeah, that's pretty bad script. I admit it, um, but he did it anyway. And so God loves. He's it. a
2: trooper. Yeah, yeah, he is. Um, well, he we got paid too, I
0: suppose. Yeah, baby needs a new pair of shoes, and I know what that's <laughs> like. So, you can't you can't blame the guy for find, trying to find works. But you know, apparently, we have a blind detective coming up. Um, next month, and so that's apparently much, 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 much better from everything and, that I've heard. So.
2: Well, I heard that that's you know it's it's not what you expect it to be. It's it's not really a, a crime thriller. It's more yeah. of a, a slapstick kind yes, of. Yes,
0: yeah, that's what I've heard too, and that's why I'm much more excited for it. Um, I think when I got initial, I, th- I think the problem is is people hear blind detective and they associate mad detective. Right and so they're thinking oh this is going to be you know kind of another you know dark like, thriller kind of film but then you've got you know Andy and Sammy and they're apparently it's more along the lines of you know love on a diet yeah. or these kinds of
2: but things. but you're not you're not doing yourself a lot of favors if you're cutting the the, the trailer in, in in such a way i mean i watched the trailer and it, it looks like it's you know on this on on the same level as uh mad detective yeah. and make the mission
0: yeah 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 you know and and that's you know that's the thing i remember when i i think i've talked about this before running on karma you know i went into that film going you know thinking one thing and then came out you know almost shell-shocked yeah <laughs> thinking something that was the, the absolute opposite yeah that
2: was and sold uh, as a comedy
0: I'm wondering if he's kind of doing a similar thing here. And I remember the first time I watched Running on Karma, I hated it. And then over time, the film really, really grew on me. Me too. Um, to where it's one of my, it's one of definitely one of my top favorite films now because it's just it's got so many different things going on. And for some, I think that'd probably be very unapproachable and confusing. But after right. a while, I I got a lot more value out of that and and some of the message that's there.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think. You it, it really requires you to, to just get over the, the overall fakeness of uh, the the entire movie like that suit yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> the it's, suit it's, which which shows shows up again later in uh, an Alex Fong film what's that film I oh really I think it's uh, is it I'll call you I think yeah <laughs> where I think he has he he like dreams he's talking with the the character from the film. And so you huh. get this glimpse of Andy uh, in the suit talking with uh, young Alex Wong.
2: It's actually Andy in the suit. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Oh, really? Yeah, but the, the, it's of course it's just for like one scene, so it's not sure. It's not as de- the suit's not quite as uh, you know as detailed as it originally was. Ah. Um But yeah, it's a, it's it's a funny little throwback, I would say. <laughs> um. All right. Well, so the final verdict for you for. At least this version of the Grandmaster would be to, you know... Skip. Skip skip it. Skip it? Yeah, skip it. Wait for another another version. Wait until
2: it gets on YouTube or something. Watch the movie on YouTube or something. (laughs) 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 You know when I bought this movie, I went to a mall to get it. And I purchased it and then I went next door, which is a shop that sells bootleg DVDs. Mm -hmm. And they had the same exact version. They had this... It had the the slip case, even mm-hmm. same exact slip case, and it was for two bucks, mm. and and that hurt my feelings. That really hurt my feelings, and and the store owner was just kind of laughing at me because I had the original one in the bag, mm-hmm. I was trying to conceal it. It was just, it was just embarrassing. I think,
0: you know. Well, we don't want to support piracy, do we? <laughs> no, no, we don't. <laughs> but I but I kind
2: of feel like, in this case, we should. Yeah, <laughs>
0: I understand the sentiment. Well, sir, thank you very much for your thoughts and for sharing with us um, on on this particular uh, digital release. And uh, we would, you know, where, where where can people follow you? And um, I mean, we mentioned at the top of the segment that you uh, contribute to quite a few places on the web. So, uh, where can we direct people to find out more about your work?
2: Well, first off, uh, thanks for having me here, Paul. Um, you can find me on drawing is a dead art dot wordpress dot com. That's mainly the place where I put up all my artwork. It's usually uh Hong Kong centric. Sometimes I'll go uh and, and do some Hollywood related stuff, but mostly it's Hong Kong stuff. And I, and I was
0: there there the other day and you had uh you had uh, something up from a mad detective and then you yeah. also had some is that like a Kar wai style uh postcard series that you did or uh, the
2: postcard series was actually for a local musician. Okay. Yeah, but you know, one car kind of uh, influences my uh, my general aesthetic, so I really can't escape that. Mm. Yeah. So those... I I really do like him, so.
0: <laughs> so some really good stuff, especially if you're a fan of Hong Kong cinema um over on All that right. site. Um go check out his uh his moment of romance uh image where he uh, captures a Andy and Wu Chin Lin.
2: Together. Yeah, and um, I would say if, if you if you're not tired of me ranting, you can go over to Podcast on Fire, where uh, I me along with Tom and Ken. We talk about uh, Hong Kong movies. Yeah, and
0: you guys are on a sort of a classic movies series, which has really, really been excellent. And it's, yeah, I've been listening to those, and it's really gotten me motivated to go back and watch uh, some of these old films that I haven't seen in ages.
2: Well, that that's good to hear. I mean, I'm I listen to your podcast. You, you and Kevin talk all the time. I mean, you know, yeah. Uh, we're
0: we're not, we're not as a uh, we we're, we're, we don't do as much research as uh, Ken does over there.
2: Yeah, he he is almost <laughs> Ken's a, a little too obsessive. Yeah, he's a little he, too. obsessive.
0: A I was I was uh, I was listening to um, Japan on fire, and I'm not a huge I'm not right. a huge fan of Japan cinema. But they but they did a segment on. Uh, oh she's ghost in the shell mm-hmm. and i i loved i loved uh the manga for ghost in the shell um by the all the all the stuff by shiro I, I i really love and so i was like yeah i haven't seen it in ages i'm gonna go back and listen to the podcast and then i'll find some time to sit down and watch it and he not only you know talked about that but he talked about um like both of the, the the OVA series that got released afterwards and they right. went and talked about the video game Yeah, version the cultural and, and like They really, <laughs> you know, that, that's one of the things I love about that show is, it, uh, is that they really, he, he does the research and he really digs deep into a lot of the other angles aside from the film.
2: Yeah, it's almost as if he goes to INDB. He looks at the entire cast list and he just comes up with a bio for each and every person that was involved with the movie. Yeah. I think. Um,
0: so really good stuff. If you've never, if you're into Asian cinema at all, and you're not, uh, you're not over there listening to those
2: guys, you should be. Yeah, check us out. All right. You know?
0: Well, thank you very much. Uh, thank you very much, David, for stopping by, and we hope to get you back on the show in the, in the very near future.
2: Or well, something. Thank you, Paul. Yeah.
0: listening to the east screen west screen podcast visit congcast.com for more all right so let me again say a big thanks to david lamb for stopping by to talk with us a little bit about his thoughts his rant if you will on the grandmaster uh dvd release and again you know hopefully we will get uh, a better release at some point in the future i know that uh, kevin you've talked about this um at, at some length and we mentioned too in the discussion that uh, you talked about there's an upcoming french release that's going to actually be a real steelbook right
1: yeah, it's a real steel book, and I think. But the problem is, I think it has the international cut. So, for now, and I think the Hong Kong version is still get worth getting for the for the China uh, the original theatrical cut. I think.
0: Yeah, but even that's not the original because they added new sound, right?
1: Yeah, but I mean it's good because they added things instead yeah. of taking out things, right? So you can't really complain.
0: Yeah. Um, but you know, again, hopefully we will get a version in the future, as I said, that's got all the Chang Chen cut footage, because that's what I want to see. Chang yeah so. that's not gonna happen for like 10 years yeah one car wide
1: yeah <laughs> maybe he will call chan Chang in to reshoot again
0: <laughs> that would be awesome yeah the, the, the grandmaster spinoff right yeah. or, or grandmaster redo i think we joked about that before. yeah all right uh so i think that's going to uh do it for this week uh did we get any comments didn't see any comments over on the site Um, but yeah, if you would like to give us some comments, if you would like to be a part of the show you can head over to our website, that is concast.com, or you can stop by iTunes and leave us some feedback there we'd love to hear from you, you can follow along on Twitter, for the show it's twitter.com slash concast and uh, for following Kevin and all his exploits across Asia, as he jet sets to here and to there and sits behind directors and Rub shoulders with actors. Um, you can follow him over at twitter.com slash thegoldenrock. I urge you to do so. Uh, email, if you want to hit us up on email, that is uh, eastscreen@gmail.com, and we'd love to hear from you. You can also send us a short uh, review or send us some comments, some questions. Send us an audio file and we'll play it here right on the show. And we are over on Facebook, facebook.com slash eastswests and uh, we have updates and You can drop us some questions over there if you are part of the uh, Facebook-walled garden, as it were. And uh, if you're going to be in Hong Kong at some point now or in the future and you'd like to come out for one of our movie group nights, um, you can drop me a line over on Google+, and I can get you into the event circle there. Catch us on Stitcher. Listen to us on your iPhone, your Android phone, your BlackBerry, and your webOS phones. Stitcher is smart radio for your phone. Find it in your app store or at stitcher.com. Stitcher Smart Radio, it's the smarter way to listen to radio. We thank them for their support of our little show. Additional thanks go out to Rob Govers of Snouser Studios for our theme, Ross Chen of lovehkfilm.com for helping us to arrange movie nights here in Hong Kong, uh, K-Man for being with me now for 150-plus shows, and Yay. even when he's in Shanghai eating xulong, xulong bao and uh, all that good stuff, and waking up at 7 in the morning to do notes and uh, help me record this baby and of course all of you the listeners for being with us for all these episodes we like doing this show because you like listening so we thank you for your support next show 151 looks like we'll be talking about uh, the new Jet Li film uh, with um, who else is in that film
1: uh, Wen, Zhang and Wen-, and Chen.
0: Wen Zhang and Michelle Chen uh, Badges of Fury it looks like an action comedy if the trailer is to be believed and quite possibly Brad Pitt's um, future apocalypse zombie movie uh, based on the famous novel World War Z. Uh, anything else that I missed in there?
1: Um, no, I, I'm trying to watch Superman here, but uh, probably have, won't have time, so we'll just watch it. You know, I was watching Hong Kong.
0: Yeah, I think Superman will be not the next show, but the next, next show which we might have to record a little bit early because I think that's when I'll be heading stateside. Yes. Um, so that would be episode 152. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so all of that coming up uh, in the future, some exciting stuff in the pipe and uh, some more stuff to talk about when, between now and then and whatever news happens and whatever exploits and trouble Kevin gets into. We will be talking about that as well. All of that and much more on our next show. Until then, this is East Screen, West Screen, wishing you good viewing, and we will see you next week.
1: Dajan, everybody.